You're listening to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the internet's nerdiest songwriting podcast. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Emily's Help Desk. I mean, these started for fun, right? And this is number six, and it is not going to stop anytime soon. We've got a bunch of songs from people, some old favorites, and we also have some brand new stars on the show. Emily, what's up? Hello. I was going to say good morning, but actually good evening for you. Right. Whoever's listening, whatever time you're, whether you're on the tube in London or you're across the skies in America, like good day to you. But I'll stop, I'll stop chatting shit, as we say in the UK. We've got four songs again. I think this is the third month in a row. We've got four different songs from four different writers and it's beautiful. It's mind blowing. And it started with one one human being sending in one of their songs and it snowballed into this. And we also have a couple of questions. So, Emily, is there anything you want to say before we start today? I just wanted to say thank you, guys. I had no idea that we were going to get so many submissions, uh, you know, episode six. Uh, we got a few episodes behind us, but it still feels like something relatively fresh and new for me. So I just appreciate the enthusiasm so much and would like to encourage you to continue submit songs submit questions and just give us feedback on the show it's really great to know who's actually listening and who i'm addressing while i'm talking so thank you once again and let's get it started shaboom so we have a star returning from last time so do you want to introduce tune number one Yes, tune number one is going to be Cogs by Peter Stone, who is a new submitter, uh, someone from my local music community. We love to hear it. So once again, this is Cogs by Peter Stone. Nursery themed bedroom. 
That was Cogs by Peter Stone. And I have to say, I've listened to a few of your songs now. This is my favorite. I love it because of a few things. The mood, the tone, the attitude. I love how whimsical it is, uh, which is a word that I've used to describe your music before. But it stands true. I love that this one is a little bit more of a joyous song. And it's something that's really slice of life. Those are a couple of things that I feel... I've noticed are really integral to your style in more of a general sort of way. You have this beautiful whimsy to your writing. Once again, we have the nonlinear structure. I love it. One thing that's different that I thought you pulled off in a way that's kind of magical is adding some of these Foley sounds where you have the water, ducks. It really, it's evocative. It activates my imagination and it really puts me in a place while I'm listening to this, I feel like I'm on 
some kind of a camping trip with you. When I'm listening to this, I'm out in nature. And so it's just great to hear that. And these little snippets of Foley sound, you know, I want to see people getting creative with that in the production. We love to hear it. This is a bit of a stretch comparison, but I promise it'll make it, I'll make it sound like less of a stretch comparison by the end of this. Uh, the thing that came to my mind is Musique Conquête, which is a mid-century French movement where people started making music with non-musical instruments. It was all about what kind of organized noise can we make with the telephone, the bicycle, you know, just like whacking a hammer, all about finding these interesting Foley sounds. And so it really makes me think of that in moments. If you want a reference point of where Music Conclette is like really popularly referenced in culture, listen to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, where we have a lot of Foley sounds. This is one of the first times that you really get to hear that particular movement somewhere outside of the avant-garde, right? We have structured songs uh, and a lot of like musical instruments, but then we bring in these non-musical sounds just to make things more evocative and also to expand our imagination of what music could be. Those are the first kind of thoughts that I had relating to this song, but I want to pass it over to you and see what you have to say. I love it. Um, when you say Foley sounds, what does that mean? When I think of that, Foley sounds is actually a term that people use to describe the trade of making different sounds that are used in film and TV. Ah. So like, for example, like the watery sounds that you hear in this sound or in the song I'm referring to as Foley sounds. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cause I've, I've heard of it described as CSD or creative sound design, but that's probably a bit too wacky. Foley sounds. I like it. Cool. Yeah. I, I was going to start with that because there's such a, when you say camping trip, that's awesome. I kind of think like French Southern, French South in America, like Louisiana on the water kind of thing that that's what it feels like. You hear the kind of, and it does such a great job of bringing you into the song. I talk about it so much, but the opening of those sounds into that guitar, which made me think of a kind of Ben Howard, Burr Island or Bon Iver kind of more experimental stuff where it does sound like, again, you've just popped your head round a corner into someone kind of writing in the, in the, in the reeds, in the weeds somewhere. Um, and it's just beautiful and it has that, the prosody and the art to it. So again, if you guys are new to the, to the whole show, prosody is just very simply, everything you do is done for a reason. So he's picked these sounds, he's picked this guitar, he's picked this tone and that makes it artistic. So that's, that's the kind of simple way of talking about prosody. We have an episode on that one as well. The vocal delivery and the subtly shifting guitar. The way I heard it was he was kind of almost making it up as he was recording it which is the beauty of it feeling alive. And the way that happened was particular words landing and then the same chord sounding slightly different, whether it's a half tone or a short bend on the guitar or some slight change in, in the guitar. It just makes everything feel really, really beautiful and alive. So the melody is incredibly unique. And I think the whole song, including Peter's sound, is incredibly unique. And that's something worth noting. As Emily said, like if you've got avant-garde sounds, and it being reminiscent of something that's kind of outside of popular art, then you're probably doing something quite unique. And we, we've mentioned a couple of people that we like, but they're not really like that. Uh, you're not really like that, sorry, Peter. It's, it's very unique. So lyrically, 
just really cool. I've got a couple of examples that I love, but there's a natural palette to everything you're doing from the sounds Emily talked about to the guitar to the sound design, the space that you've put yourself in. The recording's great as well. And I think that's something worth talking about in itself. Not that we're a production show, so to speak, but when it's done like this, it, it is art. That's the p- whole point. Everything's been put there for a reason. And the way that the vocals are delivered, something I wanted to bring up as well, they're really beautiful. They're soft. In the sections that need to be soft, they're soft. And then when you're rising through the kind of middle sections, there's an edge to it. And I think you use pretty much every angle of your voice, every character, every shade, every texture of your voice available to you. Again, something I really recommend to people. If you want to grab someone's ear in a new section, I won't do it now, but if I shouted or if I whispered or if I made a strange noise, that's just speaking. But with singing, you can do so much more, you know, falsetto, kind of scratching different parts of your register. So that was beautifully done. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll shoot it back to you, Emily, if you've got any more thoughts on this, because it's, it's just such a great song. It's so, so complex. Yeah. One thing that really stands out to me, too, is how cohesively you develop this character that really shines throughout all of your songs. It's really interesting how also if I look at your visuals, they also evoke this natural beauty that you're also evoking with the sounds. So having that level of prosody, that's what I want to see people doing, especially in this day and age when songwriters often have to also make their own visuals and be their own publicist and do a little bit of everything. You really should be thinking about these kinds of things in terms of like what kind of visual does your song evoke? These things, these little details can really just enhance everything. Example would be, I feel like there are certain songs that I've written recently that I can get into more when I dye my hair bright fuchsia because it's a more <laughs> aggressive color for these more loud bombastic relative to other songs that I've written type of tunes. So once again, just the prosody. I love hearing it. And I also love hearing it and seeing it extended to the visuals and how you carry yourself on stage. Think about making a complete character and instead of just writing a song. This, these details are really great. I love to see it. Your whole website so cohesive with this beautiful, natural, whimsical sort of brand. So I can see this music really, really taking off because of those reasons. You've got such a complete package. Well done. Once again. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's really well said. And I think just from the artwork, check out Peter Stone, Cogs and Twigs is out there. You can check it out. I wanted to bring up a couple of lyrics. Again, there's a natural theme. As I'm just looking at this, themes are something I talked about, but there's a theme here. As Emily said, there's the the prosody, the art, the deliberately putting everything in place from your website, your visuals, even the way he, he looks on Instagram, which, it, which is funny. And there's a lyric I love called Lunar Lover. It's just so cool. That, that one jumped out at me. I think that's pretty smart to be able to have that it's alliteration, right? But it's it's really beautifully done and it evokes imagery and it makes you think, okay, who is this? It brings in questions. So that's an awesome lyric for me. And then another particular lyric, or at least when I realized was lost in a labyrinth. And this has come off a section that was quite, quite dynamic. This is, this is maybe towards the middle of the song and coming back to this whispered smaller section, lost in a labyrinth. And that's when the guitars drop down, the vocals become hushed and 
everything kind of seeps away and it leaves you in this feeling of literally being lost in a labyrinth. You know, all you have is what's in front of you. And it's this beautiful application of production as art. And I think things like that need to be highlighted. And as Emily saying, how do you take everything that you do into consideration when you're writing and create these beautiful pieces of art? And I think buzzwords was a really cool thing for me. He was talking about particular places, two locations that came out and then, you know, climbing over the, the fence and doing things that are actionable and they, they kind of tap into that shared nostalgia that we all have. So yeah, that's, and through, comp- through composition, um, while we're here, I think is worth saying it's not strictly through composed and through composed means just every section is new. There's no repetition, which I think there are some repetitions of sections, but through composition is a really, really cool way to write songs as well. Again, very unique and lovely to hear the the sibling to the song from last time. Yeah, absolutely. I've never heard that term through composition. That's that's interesting because you yeah, you really do a great job not giving us pop structure. And at the same time, it's so interesting and it keeps me listening and it keeps me anticipating because you bring out all these new sections or these new voices in your arrangement with your vocal. I really love hearing some of these synth details at the end that are just really a lot of fun as Easter eggs. And for some of those lyrics, like you mentioned the Lunar Lover lyric, I think that it stands out exceptionally because of where you've placed it, right? There's definitely a buildup and you're playing a lot with this like buildup tension and release in a way that is, to me, evocative of classical music in terms of the structure and how tantric it is too. So very, very interesting. And I look forward to listening to more of your work as well. Awesome. Awesome. We have we have, we have a guy I've known for a little while, actually, and he sent one of his tunes in. So his full name, I believe, is Alessandro, but Ali, you can say Ale, Ale, however you want to say it, but tune number two coming at you. Ale Galata with Mirror. King Kong kicked the drum, BTS in my ears when I'm walking home. Feel the beat, it goes on and move on with the song, and I want you to be there. <laughs> Ding dong, my key's gone, knock knock, who's there? It's me, come on, move on, what's wrong and what takes so long? Is anybody there? I don't wanna feel the nightmare, but you left me behind And what about the love I gave to you? I tried to make you feel alright, but you left everything behind So what about the love I gave to you? Oh, is it hard to look in the mirror? Oh, is it hard to see what you do? No, I won't stay stuck in this no more I will find somebody I will find somebody new Hey ho, come on, let's go The remote's in my ears and I'm about to go Feel the punk in my veins Cause yeah, tough's the pain You're standing right behind me Let's go, uh Tap, tap on my back What the hell, babe? Why you pegging your back? That's what you said But you must be mad Cause you did this to me No, I don't wanna feel the Hard to look in the mirror Oh, 
go. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Singing. Hey ho, come on, let's go, baby. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Hey ho, come on, let's go. Hey ho. Always it hurts to look in the mirror. Always it hurts to see what you do. No, I won't stay stuck in these feelings no more. I will find somebody. I will find somebody. Always it hurts to look in the mirror. Always it hurts hard to see what you do. And no, I won't stay stuck in these feelings no more. I will find somebody. I will find somebody new. Oh, yeah, somebody. That was Ale Galata Mirror. All right. This is an awesome tune. Going back to what you were saying a minute ago about prosody, I have to say I really love how you have a motivational message at the core of your song, and you also have a very driving kick pattern. I feel like the two go together seamlessly. Uh, you have this really, like, get pumped up type of kick pattern that's really simple, really four to the floor. I feel like a lot of the time something I do when I'm producing, because I produce a lot of my own demos that I'm guilty of, is I try and be too original with my kick patterns when a simple four on the floor does the job a lot of the time, especially when you have something that's a little bit more of like a driving sort of mood where you, you, you want this motivational message to come through once again. Lyrics are great, too. I have to say the lyrics work really well for an international audience. This is something that I talk about a lot. But finally, I feel like this is a really apt example that we've gotten here where you stick to really simple, familiar phrases. For that reason, it sounds like you're going for more of a K-pop sound. And I feel like this could really take off in America or Korea, or Europe because of your your word choices. And also because you do have a, a blatant shout out to BTS. So I, I can tell what you're listening to. Yeah. But I love that you're building up this character where it's like, you know, it, instead of the last song, we're talking about building up this character, someone who's exploring the wilderness. It's this character of someone who you might find on K-pop Twitter, you know, completely different character. Uh, I, I love it though. I feel like these lyrics are just have like such a singability to them versus, for example, one thing that I've heard people say about Taylor Swift for, coming from an international audience is that people often say that they know that there's so much more to her songs that they're not getting because of the fact that she has a lot of lyrical complexity, which is, is fine for an American audience and her American tour but at the same time i love these songs that can really touch a lot of people because you're not gatekeeping with the language that you're using you're not being too exclusionary yeah and there's something really beautiful about that the fact that anyone anywhere might be able to pick out a few words or sometimes the words don't even matter if you have such a great driving groove which you do i mean 
think about, for example, Gognum style, right? We might not think about this as something that's poetic genius, but at the same time, it is genius because it's so functional. That song took off and made him an international superstar. So, things to think about. And here's some more things to think about from Jamie. Some more things to think about. Yeah, I definitely I would go with the Hit me, baby, one bon dan dan. Exactly like, though. Oh, well, what does that mean? That dan dan. Which I think the writer Everyone Max Martin it. talked about how he didn't even mean for it to sound like that. He's a Swedish singer as well. So I think coming at the English language as a non-English native is very clever. And I think there are ways to, to use language that's accessible, exactly as Emily said. And I'm going to focus a bit more on, I love the rhythms that were used. If we go straight into the verse, and even if we look at the intro with those kind of reversed vocal chops that let you know there's a vocal, obviously we all know there's going to be a singer for, for the most part in modern music, but having that kind of sprinkling of of a promise of a singer is really cool. And I think that's a great way to do it. And it also brings contrast to your verse, which is very rhythmic, shouting out using buzzwords, you know, BTS in my ears, those kind of very much, I'm living my life, I'm on the move feeling, which again is, it's, is also the message you're talking about moving on, finding someone new. And I loved the pre-chorus, the addition of those guitars, that kind of Nile Rogers guitar feeling just brings such a shift in rhythm. Again, talking about rhythms, but it goes beautifully with the vocals you've chosen and the slightly busier progression that you've gone for. The coolest thing for me in the song is the anti-chorus. So we talked about anti-choruses, which instead of the kind of classic hair metal, all the guitars in, play the drums the loudest in the chorus, which I'm guilty of as well as, as a kid that loves rock music, this was cool because it, it kind of swooped out, pulled everything away. Again, very, very K-pop in, in terms of being using, you know, making use of those sections like that. And then interestingly, you bring that bass groove in the second half of the chorus. So you've got this anti-chorus and then the groove coming in. And that's what you're relying on to, to go underneath your lyrics. So it's really cool. And I'm loving the setup and the payoff. It's, it's a very simple song. It's very accessible. As Emily was saying, particular lyric I loved in, in verse two, again, using buzzwords, but you mentioned the Ramones and then you talked about having some punk attitude or punk inside you. I can't remember the exact lyrics, but that's really cool. Again, you're showing awareness of your songwriting and you're telling people you know what you're talking about. And as we've maybe suggested that even if English is not your first language, you've got an incredible understanding of what you're saying, how you're saying it and what it's related to. So it has that double benefit of being accessible, but also thought through. So great layering of new features as well. I noticed every time there was a new section because you are going through a repeated pop structure, but there's a new layering of whether that's guitar whether it's a new synth whether it's a drum it's a change of section so also worth talking about again we're not a production show but when you present something like this that's great it's worth saying the vocals really crisp and really clean that brings it right up front and almost like it kind of lives it wavers in front of us and makes us want to listen so many i'm going to go through all of them now because i've just i've done it but there's there's a great melismatic hook so a melisma means something that is sung without a word so it's just a kind of an r and ooh or a la very, very often using kind of gang vocals um, for like stadium rock. And I think a great use of that is towards the end of the song. So using hooks, melismas, kind of doing your payoff and then going into a kind of enjoyable hooky section. Again, keeping up with that positive driving energy of the song. Then you're going to go break down bridge, meaning I think it's a great choice to go down in the bridge often. I know it's common. I think I talk a lot on the show about you either push it up or bring it down again, but I like the way you did this. And then 
having gang vocals, as I said. You've also got ad-libs. You've got a drop chorus where you bring everything away and just sing your hook going into that last chorus. I think the final kind of unifying things, you talked about prosody for Peters. I'm going to go with trading space for Ali's. I'm going to go with the idea that, again, if you're new to the show, trading space is when you have something in every gap. That's very much this style of song. Again, we go K-pop, BTS, um, 24 Karat Magic, Bruno Mars, that world. They, they're, they're really trying to make the most of every piece of real estate that there is. So yeah, I love this tune, beautiful vocals, great work, and uh, send us another one. Simple as that. Fabulous. First of all, love hearing you get into some of those gritty details. Wonderful. Second of all, one thing you said is, we're not a production show, which is true, but at the same time, I'm willing to talk about it a little bit because of what I said earlier, where this is the modern condition where you do have to be a little bit of everything as a songwriter. It's becoming less and less common for people to really be doing these writing sessions in a conventional, traditional way. Part of it is economic. It's just it's, it's hard to afford to have a million people on one song when you're starting up a business yourself. Part of it, yeah, has to do with the fact that less people are working with labels. Uh, and so that lends to you having different financial resources. So production is a big part of it. And I noticed that a lot of people who do submit songs are producing themselves, or at least have somewhat of a hand in the production. And since we're talking about prosody quite a bit today, if you do have production questions, let me know, because that can really add to your prosody, can really add to the, the singularity of your vision if you have a hand in doing your own production. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's worth saying. And as as a, as a writer who doesn't really do much of any production anymore, it's such a great skill. So I, I would say if you can, if you're thinking about learning it, just do it. It's such an asset to what you can do in a session. So I'm going to do a little bit of an intro on this this man, this this machine for song number three. Scott Rustin. Some of you know him. If you don't know him, you haven't listened to the last six of these, or the last five of these. And He's just a machine. I think maybe I'll save it to next time when we hear one of the songs from it. But he, oh, I'm going to say it now, but he messaged me the other day and he said, Hey, guess what I've been up to? I was like, well, what, what have you done now? You know, he's always writing songs. He's always going a few examples of things to know about this gentleman is he'll often come to an open mic night deliberately either having chosen to write a song he's going to perform two hours before, or he'll send a video of him writing a song on the spot at these nights. And granted, you know, there's not a thousand thousand people watching, but he's in he's in public writing on the fly and ending up with really cool things. So that's just a, a taste of what this guy is about. And he told me this week that he sat down in two hours and he wrote an album, just thirteen songs. What a natural the dude is. He said he, he said he said he said he wrote about three, and then he said goodbye to his wife who's heading out that evening. And then in the next ninety minutes, I think he wrote about ten tunes. Wow. And he sent me, he sent me through a few. I think he did it again last weekend. So this guy is a, he's a, he's a special kind of human being. So I want to say thanks. He's writing albums in a few hours, which I've never gone anywhere near that. Um, so yeah, Scott Rustin, bring in the tune. Woohoo. This is Scott Rustin's Lifelines.
Sometimes in our lifetime We feel a lot of rain After the flood Will we rise up? Will we wash away? Sometimes in our lifetime We wake up every day Thoughts appear, disappear Maybe they'll stay the same Every day it feels the same Come back right now I'll be light in these clouds Don't disappear Don't let it go It's the right time I won't disappear We all need lifelines Sometimes in our lifetime We forget to fall asleep Staying up all of the night We begin to dream Sometimes in our lifetime We cry for those we leave Hanging back We take a look at what we can't keep And every day feels the same Every day it feels the same Come back right the right time I won't disappear we all need lifelines sometimes in our lifetime we know just where to go in our heads new thoughts collide with what we know Sometimes in our lifetimes we throw it all away But now I'll speak, if we're here we should stay Every day it feels the same Every day it feels the same Don't disappear, don't let it go, it's the right time I won't disappear, we all need lifelines
All right. That was Lifelines by Scott Rustin. I have to say, the tune that the two of us have been whistling the most today during the session uh, has been this little verse melody, actually, that you have. I, I love it. I think that it really, really reinforces the point that I made last week about having a recurring verse motif. And with this one in particular, you've made it especially catchy, that little. And uh, I, I just love it because you have that lyric sometimes in our lifetime, and then it opens up a door for you to give us a lot of specifics. And then also you're rhyming it with your hook lyric, lifetime and lifelines. So having that unity there, once again, I, I think it's clever. It's, it's also, it's a real tearjerker. It's a, at least for me, I found it very emotional. I think that your singing mixed with your guitar just rouses a lot of emotions in me in general whenever I hear you play. So love that. Just phenomenal job in such a short period of time. I can't, I can't believe how prolific you've been. Yeah, this particular song, I feel like I really, I, I specifically chose this one because of how catchy it is. I feel like it's an emo- emotional message. Uh, that resonates with me too and just lovely lovely job with bringing in some of those synth parts too i know it's hard to mix synth and guitar but when you've got this like lovely mellow pad you do a really good job of having that kind of textural contrast so that you don't have too much frequency crowding anywhere even though the voice, the synth, and the guitar can all occupy a lot of the same frequency range. So just wonderful job, especially since I know that you do have a lot of a hand in your own production. Uh, So keep up the good work. Jamie? Yeah, speaking of that, the first thing I talked about was a site called Band Lab. So bandlab.com. Love it. The first time I spoke to Mark, Scott, he told me about this and I'd never seen it. And essentially, you, I think you upload your even your voice memo demos and then you can produce around it. It's kind of this digital audio workstation that's really easy to use. So that's the sounds that you're hearing for these tunes and a lot of the ones you would have heard and will hear. Um, because this dude's just a writer. He's just a write, 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 writer. So I want to talk about that first. But it's also cool to hear a demo and it's this wonderful thing. Like we had Dylan Martinson's demo. Again, that's like the quality of it is, is, is wonderful. So it's hardly a demo, but it's really cool to hear songs in formation or you kind of changing a word and feeling like, again, like you're alive to it. That's the idea and a theme that came up. It's a kind of natural theme, but I think the water theme was really cool. It's nice to hear that. And then you go to these kind of, I'll be the light in these clouds. For some reason, I just loved that lyric. I'll be the light in these clouds. Again, water to, to nature, that kind of theme. And that being the kind of start of that section, but paying it off beautifully, the way it's sung, the way it's played, the way it's arranged, you land, we all need lifelines. And then it just kind of lets go in this really poetic way. I don't, I don't exactly know how to describe some of his music, but it reminds me of kind of Elbow or there's Oasis or there's those kind of classic bands and something else a lot more refined a lot more subtle than than those that just makes you want to listen and lean in and really understand what he's feeling and um the use of post-chorus strings meaning just straight after your chorus after you've dropped your line putting some strings in there to really lift people as you would in a film or in, in a kind of live music environment so that was really cool 
repeating the the opening lines of the verse. I love that again, repetition, something Emily's talked about. Repetition is not enough used, especially myself. And it's something to be, to be leaned on. And a lot of the biggest songs that have come out have really repeated and repeated themselves in doing so. So that's a great one. And then the use of drums in verse two was cool, using that progression, bringing that in so it's fresh for people when they hear something new. And it's also holding it back as a skill, like taking away and then knowing when to put it in. And my favorite part, actually, kind of it kind of snuck in, but repetition and prosody in one. So every day feels the same. Every day feels the same. Singing that twice, not only is it repetition, but it's prosody, making use of the meaning of the words when you use them. So that's just a few of the things. But yeah, I loved, loved that song. Wonderful work once again. Last song of the day is going to be another tune by Polar Mind. This is The Stars Behind. Suddenly we're in the 80s. was the stars behind by polar mind i am obsessed with this first of all that groove 
is great. I love the groove. It really reminds me a lot of a song called If You Leave by OMD, which is really popular grocery store music. I hear it a lot of times when I go to the store on the speaker ahead. It's one of those tunes and I'm rocking out and everyone else is oblivious. This is such a great, like, original first wave of British synth pop. I'm obsessed with it. So I'm sure you've heard that song, but if you haven't, check it out. It's a very comparable groove, which I absolutely love. I'm going to go back into my 80s tangent a little bit. Last week, I named six different artists that I thought were the most influential artists in the world, and I shamefully left out Cure from my list of the most influential artists of the 80s. I hear a lot of that particular artist uh, in your music. I love, once again, how you give us this just beautiful, beautiful tension, too. Like, I really think that's something that you've mastered, is giving us tension with your voice and your writing. Uh, your writing seems like it's kind of more, you write pining, longing tunes a lot of the time. And then you have in your chorus of this particular song, what stands out to me is the notes that you choose to hold out, the notes that you choose to keep longer and the notes that you choose to go for a, a bigger interval jump too. Both of those things add to this wonderful tension that you're building up for us. I love it. Like I said, I'm a really big fan of the genre too, in terms of the sonics of it. I love this world that you're occupying. And I started thinking actually about what you have in common with the first song of the day. They sound incredibly different, right? Both of them have a little bit of that music concrete in their DNA from in different ways. It's a little bit more blatantly obvious with cogs where you have like a lot of these foley sounds. But in this example, music concrete, that particular movement was happening at a time that was concurrent with German experimentalism. And out of that particular movement of experimental jazz in Germany, that's what gave birth to the band Kraftwerk which is one of the most influential groups of the last century. Then in the 80s, we have all of these British artists like OMD or uh, another one would be the Human League, you know. Don't you want me, baby? And those artists thought that they were mimicking Kraftwerk and that they were making this experimental synthesizer music. But then listening back to their own music, they realized that they accidentally created a, a sort of bubblegum pop. And so then from there on, we have this lovely, lovely, catchy, groovy, driving synth music that you can play at the grocery store born out of German experimentalism. There's your music history lesson for the day just to inspire you a little bit. Damn. Yeah, so German experimentalism to Polar Mind and the stars behind. What? Internal rhymes. I haven't actually talked much about rhymes. I need to get pretty get them up soon enough but yeah i think the beat and simplicity for this one i just remember it i remember you hearing it, you go like yep i've arrived wherever we are we are here that's what it sounds like and the simplicity is cool and we talk about the four elements of music max martin is is kind of known for that or quoted for that as with a lot of things he doesn't say it himself but us nerds tend to quote it for him but 
the four elements. So it'd be drums, bass, harmony, that being guitar and piano, and then vocals. And ha- making sure you have those in your songs, even in simple demos, is just an effective way to grab people. And I think what's great about this song is it does emulate the 80s because it is trying to do a lot with simple things and filling that space, you know, that kind of restricted amount of strips and channels that that we had back in those days. Not so much, but it's that really cool feel and the interesting and abstract lyrics. Again, Scars and Wounds jumped out to me, just, just bringing those things in and asking kind of questions of what we think we're listening to and kind of breaking up our experience, which is really smooth and rhythmical. And I love the drum machine. I love the kind of adherence to yeah, well-used, well-known sounds, but that nostalgia, again, tapping into shared consciousness when we do these things. And I like the section turnarounds, meaning just the small things that are played between sections. We did talk about this last time, but transition between sections is such a big thing. And the AB structure, which is just verse, chorus, verse, chorus, with a bridge-ish section. Again, I think what's great about this song is it's not trying to do anything too specific it's just trying to tell a story and in that when you listen to what he's saying and how he's saying it it feels real it feels immediate it feels emotional and emily talked about the kind of longing and tension that's built up through pascal's songs i'd agree with you his previous band as well grand noir a rock band just epic and sad and tension filled and it seems to come across in whatever he does that's why polar mind is come about based on his kind of 80s love but also his his rock world and i think it's such a cool example and the last thing i'll talk about is him almost underselling the quality of the melody kind of like just whispering it he's not trying to drive it home like this rock voice i know that he has but he's really underselling the melody and it's it's a positive thing it's a soft delivery it's serving the song i've heard it said really well is that you don't need to show it off you don't need to scream and shout it you just sing it as it is and that's enough so yeah, really beautiful song as ever. Yeah, that was one thing I noticed too, is that you do give us some understated moments that really work beautifully. Like, for example, I love how you have this breakdown too, kind of in the place of a bridge. You have a moment where there's near silence other than a few synths just kind of warbling around. You know, you don't really have any vocals, but you give us this like moment of space. And I think that it really evokes that emotion of emptiness really appropriate adds to more of the the sadness and the darkness that you've already established within the song so really great job like you're saying uh just showing restraint with your vocals yeah it's that it's that restraint and i think we've heard you know so through the day we've had these beautiful entrances you know cogs peter stone wonderfully complex and beautiful in its own way ali with mirror Scott with Lifelines, Polar Mind, everyone's put so much into their music and it has a really urgent and earnest and quite a bittersweet feel to it. You know, maybe apart from Ali, which is a lot more driving, which is the point. That's, that's, that's the aim of that song. But it's really cool to have, again, four different writers, even though Scott's like a, he may as well be sat on this call with us for a few amount of times we talk about him, but it's, it's beautiful to have four people and again, four writers, and I look forward to hearing new submissions, different people, their progressions. So appreciate you sharing your art with us. We are going to go on to a couple of questions. So again, questions, if you want to send in songs or questions, I love questions as well, because it, it just invites the ability to answer questions, not only for yourself, selfishly, when you send one in, but you never know 
what Emily and I might say and how that might help someone who is just kind of sitting and listening, like going about their day. You might be able to unpick something for someone else. So send in a question. I wish I knew that pod at gmail.com. Send in your songs to the same address. Hit us on Instagram, wherever you want to do it. Questions. Right. We have three today. So the first one I'll fire away. The two are from Stu Neal, our man. So is it worthwhile joining associations such as International Songwriters Guild? I was in last year and found some of their feedback useful, but also thought their copywriting service seemed pretty important. Didn't rejoin this year, but I wonder if I should. I would say, in this case, do the math. Because you can copyright your own music, you can copyright your own brand, but it's quite expensive. So see if they're helping you out in that regard. I would say, whenever you're bringing someone new into your team, really weigh the pros and cons well. Make a list if you need to because of the fact that there are so many things that you can do yourself or do in tandem with an entertainment lawyer that you find yourself. So definitely, I would say, if you think that it's going to help your career, go for it. But just double check, do the math, be healthily skeptical along the way, because yes, this is a changing, shifting industry. And not everyone knows exactly what's best for right now. You know, everybody knows what's worked well in the past. But as things change, you know, we ha- all have to adapt. We're all finding new ways to adapt. So I would say my answer would be check it out and see how financially viable it is and if they're saving you a lot of time to in terms of that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there are ways you can copyright yourself. There are Official ways to do it. I know it's different in America, so maybe speaking to to the UK European audience, but even as simple as what used to happen in the old days was you would record a song, put it in a letter, and send it to yourself. All right, so that's that's a way of doing it, leaving it sealed, so you have proof of your own songwriting. But obviously, you can do that today. You can do that for free. You can make sure it's dated and it's sent, and you you save it somewhere. But you could as easy as just putting it into Gmail, uploading your MP3, sending it to yourself, and then putting it in a folder. So you can see when it's sent, received, you can hear the audio. It's undoubtedly your song. Yeah, that's one way of doing it. Um, It's not an official way, but that's that's an interesting way to do so if you are worried about your songs. In terms of joining the Songwriters Guild, again, it's looking what you find useful. I'm going to bring in the second question because I think it kind of answers in a similar way what I was going to say, so I'll answer it twice. But the second question from Stu is, the main songwriting contests available online, the UK songwriting contest, American songwriting contest, etc. Are they a scam or should they be useful? Or can they be useful? What do you think, Emily? Ah, I've done a bit of looking into this because it's so prevalently advertised to me in terms of that particular contest. It's huge. There's a lot of applicants, so that's one thing to be weary of, is you really do have to put your best foot forward. And before I get into any more depth, I actually want to share a little bit of an anecdote from my own life that might help you understand if this is a good move for you. So I have a younger cousin, and her thing is that, well, she does a lot of things, but one thing that's been really prevalent for her in recent years is she makes custom hand-painted Nikes and she makes them as gifts and she does small-scale commissions too. So amongst her friends or her friends of friends or family, if someone wants to buy 
custom Nikes. She'll paint however you want them to look or go off of whatever theme that you want. And I was talking to her about this. I was like, wow, you know, you have a lot of requests coming in and you're really honing in on your product and all of the Christmas gifts that you made for uh, that side of the family just look lovely. Like, are you thinking about scaling this up and you could easily do it? Like, you could get a Depop account and just roll with it. And she said, oh, no, absolutely not. And I was like, okay, well, interesting. And then she said, I am far too busy with grad school to ever scale a business right now. And I thought that was the most wise advice coming from my younger cousin because of the fact that she was self-aware enough to know that it wasn't time for her to scale and that that would just explode her life. I want you to think about that if you're entering the American Songwriting Contest because the prize is you get an A&R mentorship. You get a lot of exposure. There's all kinds of little, like you get a permanent membership and get to work with people from Atlantic Records. And if you're not ready for that, then you might explode your life. If you are ready to scale up, though, and you're in a position where you feel like you could really benefit from a record label, then absolutely apply. It's definitely worth the buy-in. It's only about $25 a song to apply. So not horrible, but if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for more label representation and you're ready to scale up and you're ready for your song to be heard by a lot of people, then absolutely go for it. Alternatives to putting yourself in this position uh, would be to get an ASCAP membership or PRS, if depending on what country you're in. And to do a lot of this work yourself, because nowadays, you know, labels have a lot less sway. They still are massive in the industry, but at the same time, people are realizing that with the internet, they can be their own publicist. And as you have access to more and more tools via social media, there's this thing that's gradually happening where the record labels are starting to look more and more like a middleman between you and a bank loan. And you can take out a bank loan yourself, too, if you really know what you're doing and you have a plan to pay it back. So that's another alternative. If you also want to scale your career at a little bit more of a manageable pace, some of these things you can do yourself. Those are a couple of options for you. Just keep your keep keep skeptical, keep doing your research and keep informing yourself because that's another thing. Uh, that's the difference between you and a record label exec is really money and information. So keep informing yourself. And yes, I think if you know what to expect from these kinds of songwriting competitions and you're on board, go for it. Very succinct. That's cool, actually. I wouldn't have thought about the, the wider aspect of it being a launch for your career. So that's very positive and skeptical at the same time, which is what we want on this show. And I would say in answer to joining Songwriters Guild for their feedback or going through to these competitions, it really is about what you feel like these things will do for you. So if you want feedback, you're listening to a show that does feedback for songwriters, okay? We're not promising you a record deal, but if you're looking for pragmatic, applicable feedback, then things that we do, we can offer that for you. That's free. We have to do is listen to us. But if you want to get 
into these competitions for you know putting some money behind your name and saying i am going to submit to this this contest when i finish this song awesome use it as a kind of motivator as well for sure and again their feedback's probably going to be brilliant too so if you want feedback on the songs there are a few different options out there but in terms of it being a scam you could definitely look at it cynically and go okay well they're just trying to get money from writers um all over the world when they're only going to pick one or or maybe even less and we don't know how these things work for sure but again that's why i'm thinking about and Emily's encouraging you to think about what do you want from it? What would be most useful for you, regardless of what others could give you or what others might take away from you? So if you want people to look at your music, listen to your music, give you some help. They're wonderful, but it is a great question, Stu, and I think it's raised a few issues for people that might be listening, hopefully. So again, just think about it. Is it useful for you? Same as anything we talk about on the show. If it's not useful, completely ignore it. But if it's great, jump into it, find out more about it, dive in, get involved. Um, and send us your thoughts on what we're saying as well. If you want any any feedback, this is what we're doing. We're going to take over the American Songwriting Contest and we're going to do it all on the show. That's right. I'm up for your jobs. So, yeah, too right. Way cheaper than 25. So we have a final question today and it's kind of cool. I, I'm really enjoying having different types of people find the show and, and being in touch with their questions. So this is the last question of today. It comes from Related, which you can check out on Instagram as well. Um, and they are a sibling run group, which is really cool. So having a band, first of all, really, really happy about that because live music is the point. I often will share on the Instagram or just personally love it when I see songwriters playing live, like Emily when she plays live or when Scott's sending in his videos or anyone who is playing shows and playing their songs, I just think that is the point. You want people to hear it with you. So question, when playing songs live and talking about what information adds extra value and what might spoil the experience for the listener as people might have different experiences of the song to myself, to me? What do you think, Emily? I think this is really, really subjective and is something that you might actually consider on a song-by-song, case-by-case basis. Certain songs might have more of a defined meaning, and it might be okay to spoil it a little bit and leave less up to the imagination. But if you have songs that are a little bit more obscured in terms of their meaning, you might want it to be a little bit more open-ended. So to give an example, the last time that I played out, I played one particular song. Actually, I have several songs that are just very mean what you say, like tell it like it is. And I had one in particular where I actually spoiled the last line when I introduced the song. But it was fine because of the fact that the journey to get to the last line is really what the song is about. And so it didn't really matter as much. And everybody laughed. Because the, la- the last line, okay, to, to let you in on the joke, the last line of the song was, I don't really know if I'll see you again, but it was kind of romantic for a one night stand. And so at the very beginning, I, I s- said to the crowd, so, has anyone had a one night stand that's romantic? And everybody laughed. And it wasn't about me spoiling that line because the whole journey leading up to that line is what's actually important in all the details of the night. Uh, and all of these little nuances. However, I followed that up with another song where I really wanted to leave it a little bit more open-ended and I really wanted people to interpret what they wanted 
to get out of it because it had a specific meaning to me, but it was also a lot heavier in metaphor. So up for interpretation when you do that. And so I led into it by saying, okay, my set's going to take a darker turn. You know, I just preface it with, this is a bit of a dark one, or this is about my mental health. You know, it, it ends up being something a lot more in vague. So just saying something really, really brief and keeping it, keeping it brief, I think is important. Um, unless you have something important to say or something really entertaining and, and funny. Good alternatives to saying things about your songs uh, in between would be, especially early on in the set, compliment the crowd and compliment the headliner or the other bands that played before you, because that's going to give you a good rapport with everyone in the room. And if, especially if you establish that earlier, if you like, you guys have been great tonight, so lovely, you know, don't be disingenuous, but be nice. I think that that's, those are really, really good, important ways to make sure that you have a little bit of talk in between your set, but at the same time, uh, you're not giving too much away. Yeah, there's loads of different ways to go about this. And I think if you're playing live, I'm going to think of it as though they've asked almost like, what are things to do and not do when playing live? So I'm going to go from that angle, I think. In terms of things to not do is tuning out loud if you can you know if you've got a pedal you can normally stamp tune and it will be silent so that there's a real skill to kind of tuning while talking so that's that's the idea there are different ways to do it and i think telling jokes can be wonderful if it lands well like emily's saying but not deliberately telling unrelated jokes everything we do wants to feel like it's all part of the same set i think another alternative to talking between this is about talking so i will answer the you know, specifically how we talk about songs but an alternative to talking is having tracks like our guitarist used to play between and then we ended up having backing tracks and we had two specific moments that were only 20 seconds long twice in our set that I would speak and they'd be deliberately set up I would pretty much say the same thing every time I would for example one song was about race and losing my granddad and I would talk about I wouldn't even it was more like a performance okay we don't always want to be really nice and in the room and warm that can work really well but I just said some of the things people used to say to my granddad, no context. You know, I would say that and you see people kind of listen, they're like, whoa. And then you go, you either don't tell them what the song's about or you give them just enough to be interesting. So you can almost think of it like delivering lines, like a monologue is that if when you start singing, your song starts, but what could you add before that that might be more you know, really interesting? Can you rehearse it? Can you think about what's that tension point? And I think in terms of things to do, so when you're talking about what information adds extra value was part of the question, I think it's that. It's if you can find a way quickly, efficiently to, to have people relate to you, like Emily did, is like, you know, have you guys ever experienced X? Or when was the last time someone did Y to you? Or this, this is a song about a particular experience, but do it in a way that invites people into the song, not excludes them. So you don't want to say this is a song for, bah, and, you know, do something deliberately you know abusive or obtrusive or exclusionary like that's a way of doing it at a punk show so there's no right or wrong to, to any of what emily and i are saying but i think again one thing she touched on beautifully was don't give away the nut of the song if you can you know if the whole song is built on that turn of phrase probably hide it but again if we're talking about ralph murphy which is the first two lines you set up the song and you pay it off in the chorus 
you can try and use again that introduction, that speaking point of your song as another way to to build tension towards what you're trying to say, to build up towards that. But if your song doesn't hang completely on that sentence, that nut of the song, go ahead, call it out, make use of it. Um, so there's different ways of doing it, I think, but you want to be confident. And the last thing I'll leave you guys with for this one is I had a performance coach when I was in a band and he talked about when you go up on stage as a singer, you almost don't want to acknowledge the crowd in a way. You want an energy that's kind of focused like a laser beam to the back of the room from the second you step on to the second you step off and you, you never let it go. You never break character. You never let go of it. That's why you can incorporate those performances of what you're going to say, planning it and how you deliver it as part of it, you know, not necessarily making it up on the spot. So yeah, that's another thing I think, but that was incredible in terms of advice that really helped me lock in because often the first 20 minutes sometimes of a set or the first three songs, even if a crowd is loving you, they won't react. So you need to have this internal confidence for the first couple of songs where you rehearse, you know, it's good and you're going to just nail it. So a few things to think about, but in terms of talking, I don't think you can go too wrong. And the last thing I would say is that sometimes you can just, I had a song where it was about mental health. So I deliberately said, no need to move to this one. No need to, to get involved. This is a song dedicated to the space in your head. And that kind of hits people different. They go, oh, okay, cool. So I can relax. And that means the next song, which is probably more of a vibe, more aggressive, they'll get involved. So, and don't say come forward unless you're at a metal show. Like, unless you're playing great music and people are involved, like, don't say take a step forward, things like this. I know you want to say them, but it just makes you look amateur, even if you're not. There are some things to avoid. So I wasn't fully part of the question. It was more about songs, but I thought I'd just throw a few things that might be useful for you guys that are going to go and play live. But if you enjoy it and you play the songs beautifully, you don't need to talk. Just mean it and practice. Yeah, you know, I think that is maybe the most important thing when you say just mean it i was going to touch upon something else but i think that that is really integral it's just put a lot of deliberacy in terms of what you're doing into it uh and if you weren't gonna say it i was gonna say please rehearse your bits you'll come off a lot more professional and a lot less nervous i tell a lot of jokes but they're all jokes that i've been thinking about for the entire week prior and another thing, a piece of advice that I, I got from someone that I thought was really good advice is that really good artists are discreet about their tuning. They tune before the show and then maybe have someone else in their act occupying the audience's attention while you have to do any mid-set tuning. But what great artists do is talk and tune. If you practice your whole set through and you know you need a tuning break, Practice talking and tuning and see how well you can actually do it. Boom. That was Emily's help desk. Yet another month. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, you know, obviously I live day to day through everything as we all do, all of our moments. But if I look at the start of these sessions and even further back, the start of this very show, it's awesome to have so many people involved, including Emily and every single one of you that sends in a question, a song, everyone that listens, everyone that just drops a like, everyone that follows or doesn't. If you are here, you're listening. Thank you. It means a lot. And I look forward to speaking to you as you go forward. And uh, I'm going to say goodbye and I'll let Emily do the same. Ready for it? One, two, three. I left you hanging. Love it. Bye.
Hello there, sweet listener. Thank you for listening to today's show. And I just wanted to say, we do have an Instagram. I know that some of you guys are quite interested in just sending those private emails, and I promise you they are absolute gold dust to me. And I love receiving those emails when people get time to send them with their songs, with their questions. And mainly, I love your stories about how you're listening to the show, where you found it, what it means to you. Those are the things I'll probably take to my grave, to be completely honest. But if you want to be out there on social media, please get in touch. I wish I knew that part on Instagram. We're going to be getting stuff up on YouTube as well. Reach out, send me a DM, send me a voice note, send me a video. I want to see you guys. I want to see your shows. I want to hear your songs. Thank you again for listening to the show. If you want to be involved and get full value for your creative process, please do so. But if you're one of those wonderful people that just likes to sit and observe. I know you're out there and thank you so much for your attention. It really does mean a lot. So no need to get in touch, but if you feel like you want to be involved, please do so. Much love and bye-bye.